The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day, when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. i just like to say before I start how grateful Christine and I are that you have accepted us into your fellowship. We're still fairly new here and you've made us so welcome and given us the privilege of opening the Word of God and we're so grateful for that. And you might like to know that this morning, for the very first time in Bicton Parish Church, Chris, who led this first service this morning, is now leading the service down there at Bicton. It's a real breakthrough and an answer to three years of prayer, so thank God for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, just as we've been singing this morning. And we pray, Father, that as we see these truths renewed this morning, may we ourselves, in response, recognize you as the all-powerful God through us, in believing, may our neighbours, may our colleagues, may our family know that you are their God too. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's almost a pity that it's a sunny day, so I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment and imagine that it's raining and that it's fairly dark and it's 6.30 in the evening. Are you with me? It's a dreadful day. And there are two people walking along the road, huddled up in their mats with an umbrella, because it is belting the rain. And ahead of them they see in the gutter a man kneeling down by his motorcycle. He's got a big brown coat on, goggles and a leather hat. It's 1898. And the man says to his wife, Darling, hold the umbrella. I'm going to help this fellow get his bike going again. And there was the man with his filthy fingers fiddling around with the engine. And this well-dressed, elegant man came and knelt behind him in the gutter and said, Just a moment, move aside. And so he put his hands into the machine and did what he had to do to make it work again. 
And sure enough, he stood up and kick-starts the machine, and there's the roar of the motorcycle. And this man, soaked to the skin with his leather jacket and helmet and goggles, said, Well, who are you? He said, I'm Gottlieb Daimler. I designed this motorcycle, <laughs> and I know how it works. Well, that's really where we are this morning, because our Creator God, in a sense, came down to the gutter in Christ, and he brought life into this dead world. If only we would believe in him and trust him. We, I think, look at Lent, generally speaking, as a sort of mournful time, some people put mauve on this, that and the other. And there's a sort of bowing down of solemnity, of giving up things. Well, Lent to me is a time of preparation and of rejoicing and looking towards the cross, which in itself is a cross of shame. But it's there that Christ gave us new life by the fact that he died in our place. And God so loved the world that he gave, he gave Christ for the world to believe in and to know Father. So this morning, that really is what this is all about. Trusting in, well I have to say this, not an powerful God, but in the powerful God. There is no other God beside him. Please don't make any mistake about that. So we're trusting in the all-powerful God. And firstly, I have to say, what really is it to trust him? We use the word trust an awful lot, and we try and trust each other. But what is it to trust in God? There are several Hebrew words, of which there are three which I look at this morning. First of all, one which means to give credence to, to recognise God for who he is. He who remains steadfast. The God who said in Psalm 9, Lord, you, those who know your name, will trust in you. And then another word, to be confident in. Confident in God. Well, you can only do that if God is living. He is alive. And Isaiah chapter 12, it simply says this, Surely God is my salvation. I will not, I will trust, sorry, I will trust and not be afraid. And thirdly, it means to seek refuge in him. In all situations, God is my rock, said Samuel. And then in the Greek, we come into the New Testament. The main Greek word for trusting means complete and utter hope. And Paul to Timothy says, we put our trust or our hope in the living God. Well, now that's just a very brief summary of what it is to trust God. Have we wholly got that confidence in Him, in everything that we do, in all things where we are? I've heard people say that Christians have blind faith. Take it from me, anybody who's blind does not really have faith in much, unless you are really completely unsighted. Well, you have to have trust. As a policeman, I learnt, certainly in the East End of London, if anybody said to me, trust me, I certainly didn't. <laughs> and that sadly is what it works out like. You go to a, trust, to a car dealer who said, trust me, I should go somewhere else if I were you. But in God, when he says, trust me, we can trust him in everything. 
Now somebody ought to shout out hallelujah there. So I'll do it. Hallelujah, because we can. Trust him. This morning, therefore in this period of Lent, let's continue this theme of the cross of Christ. And if you were here on Wednesday night, Tim opened up this series. Because it's not simply a question of our trust in God, which is fairly tacit, I suppose, and almost non-moving. But Tim was trying to say to us, let us trust in him so that our neighbours see what it is to trust in him. In other words, it's a service outwards and not just an inward feeling. Something positive that people recognise that we trust in God. So, let us see what that means, trusting in the all-powerful God, He who is almighty. It doesn't mean abandoning hope in anything else. It means bringing love to the hope that we have in God. He is creator, and he is our father, and he is all-powerful. The 1662 prayer book says, and I must admit I'm not one who follows that very much, but having been a choir boy for many years, believe it or not, I was only this height once, and I used to ring bells, and I used to get seven and sixpence a Sunday for going to church, because I rang the bells. But seriously, it was long before I was a Christian. But I do remember this, the prayer book says, He made us, and not we ourselves. We are complicated people. Our God is the Creator God. We will have sung, I'm sure, El Shaddai. We haven't sung it this morning, have we, John? El Elion Adonai, age to age, you're still the same by the power of your name. He is mighty, and beside him there is no other. The Greek word is this massive word, all-powerful, the Almighty God and Father, Abba. Abba, Father, let me be yours and yours alone. May my will be evermore your own. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, there's another word, there a Hebrew word, which means the one who prepared and created. And it's the injunction here to remember our Creator. Now it actually goes on to say, in the days of your youth. There aren't many of us here who can say that we're youthful, but I suppose in the context of time, age to age you're still the same. Yes, we remember our Creator. I recently read of a lady who said this, I had a father who was a powerful executive, he was wealthy and a world-renowned figure. I ought to have been very proud of him, but he never had time for me and I never really knew him. How sad to have a dad like that. Our Father God is certainly not like that. He is powerful. He is wealthy. And we can know him. He whom the psalmist says in Psalm 50, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The wealth in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and the rills and the suns and stars that shine. Wonderfully, that chorus ends exactly as we should know it. He cares for me. So do we wholly trust him, the almighty, our loving heavenly father? 
He is almighty. He was the one who rolled back the Red Sea. He pulled down the walls of Jericho. He brought the miracle birth of Christ to the world, changed the life of an adulterous woman. He is the same today as ever he was, the almighty God, our creator and our loving heavenly father. How much do we trust him? God in Christ, saviour of the world, all powerful. God so loved this world, he so loved you and me, that he gave his only son. That word means that he delivered him up. He deliberately sent the Lord Jesus to take the sin of the world in him. That's why this morning I can trust him, because he's dealt with my sin. He still deals with that sin when I go wrong, because we have a wonderful saviour. But the disciples took some convincing and even after many miracles and living with the Lord Jesus for over three years, they still deserted him when he came to die, even though Christ had prepared them for that moment. And we really have no excuse like them, because we know, if we believe Scripture, just how much he loved us and gave himself for us. Now take today's example, just that small reading contained in three of the four Gospels, how the disciples allowed Jesus to be in their boat to go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Any of you who've sailed at all or been to the Sea of Galilee will know how quickly storms come up. Because the Sea of Galilee is in a very narrow valley of a wind, of a, a wind tunnel from the north to the south, how quickly that shallow sea rises up. How many boats have been swamped there? And here was another occasion. A small boat. How many were in that boat? Probably a dozen. And there's Jesus asleep in the stern. Now that's the last place you want to be in a storm. If you're in the stern of a boat, you get all the work wobbles and all the turns and all the upside downs. Try to go to the middle of the boat if you can. But here's Jesus asleep in the stern of the boat. And the disciples lose their trust in him. And they wake him up because they're so frightened that they're going to drown. And Jesus woke and Jesus calmed the storm. And then he says to them, and what a sad question it is, have you lost your faith in me? Notice this, it's a, it's a wonderful example that whatever crisis we're in, just as Jesus was in the boat, he's in the midst of that crisis. This week Anne will have really realised that even in her grief, the Lord Jesus is there. And I know that many of us here have suffered similar things in their life and had these crises it's in that crisis where we really need to trust in the all-powerful God and our Saviour. He is alongside. Don't let him ask the question, have you lost your faith? That's the time when faith really comes alive, when we trust him. Uh, 
perhaps I shouldn't confess this, but I am a Chelsea supporter and have been to Stamford Bridge many times in my life. In fact, the first time I went to Stamford Bridge, I was only ten and I sat through the whole match sitting on the shoulders of a Coleman so that when I got home, my mother was disgusted that I was so filthy with coal dust. I saw the match, Daddy was much smaller than me, it never did. Carlo, sorry, you don't know this man, do you? Carlo Ancelotti is their manager. And just the other day, you may have seen it on television, he said to the interviewer, I pray to God that he's got enough on his, on his hands to help us. Well, that might well mean that Chelsea's not going to win the championship. But I'm afraid Carlo was quite wrong. God has a lot on his hands, but he deals with us as individuals, he deals with us as a family, as a church. And we're saying today, and through Lent, trust in the Lord Jesus, the all-powerful Saviour, so that others will see the difference that he makes in our life. Scripture gives so many examples in crises, in grief, in depression. Jesus, is he saying, do you still not have faith? Abraham, remember he was tested by God, which might have meant the sacrifice of his son. But Abraham trusted God. Joseph, wrongly accused, suffering years imprisonment, but he didn't lose his trust in God. Job, with the death of his family, didn't lose his trust in God. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I was in prison, I was flogged, I was shipwrecked, I faced bandits, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I had no sleep. That's just a name but a few. And yet in the whole of that, he would say, I trusted in the Lord Jesus. Times you and I see people cross their fingers or touch wood as if that is going to actually help. None of those do, but trusting in the all-powerful Lord Jesus will do that. Jesus said, trust in God, trust also in me. Trust in the Lord Jesus who can turn water into wine. Make ordinary life into one of fragrance and strength. Make 5,000 meals out of a few loaves and fish. And he can provide everything we need if only we trust him and let him glorify his name through us. Remember, we are his ambassadors. And here in Lent, with our service to the community, may that be seen as to why we're doing it. Our motive is because of our trust in the Lord Jesus. And then, God and the Holy Spirit, the all-powerful Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus said just before he ascended into heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I believe he still says that to us today, does he not? You will be my witnesses locally, you will be my witnesses in a wider area, perhaps at work, or in the sports field, or wherever, maybe throughout the world, if only we would trust in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's power is, is actually almost indescribable. 
Last weekend, Chris and I were taking a church weekend in Willicombe, North Devon. And we were involved in speaking and in the ministry there. And really, without saying too much, the Holy Spirit seemed to move through that congregation as people knelt and wept and felt the Holy Spirit touching their lives. Most of the people there trusting Christians and yet just realising, perhaps for the first time, the power of the Holy Spirit overwhelming them and a renewal of their commitment to Him to be empowered to be witnesses. Now how much do we witness and feel and experience that power? Paul said to the Roman church, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And that word there is the Greek word dynamis. As you can sense, it has a connection with the modern word dynamite. Many of you know that my calling throughout the police force was in the terrorist squad, dealing with bombings and explosives and seeing the destructive power that dynamite misused can bring. Dynamite, of course, has been used in mining for many, many years, but it has to be controlled. The Holy Spirit is only powerful in a positive way, and His power is exhibited through us who believe, if we only allow Him to move amongst us and move in our heart. Paul said, I will not venture to speak of anything except Christ and what he has accomplished through me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so any preacher, from Billy Graham to the most inept person, even like myself, will say that we can't persuade anybody to commit their life to Christ, to open themselves to Christ, but the power of the Holy Spirit can do that through his word. And so this morning, just these three questions. The Almighty God, our Father in Heaven, who said to Moses, I am who I am. There is no other God beside me. He said, it's the name which characterises our God because he's dependable and he's faithful. You and I know that. Are we trusting the Lord Jesus, our all-powerful Saviour, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary and never lose heart. Are we trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit who Paul says that my preaching is not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith does not rest on man's wisdom but on God's power. Sadly, sometimes I think we underestimate what God can do in our thinking and therefore in our commitment. And we're surprised when he is at work amongst us. We've spoken of Gottlieb Daimler this morning. He invented the motorcycle. Not to be admired, not to be a museum piece, but for people to get on and ride it 
And that's what the Christian faith is about. It's not just about trust. It's about being ambassadors, empowered by the Holy Spirit as we trust in the Lord Jesus for our salvation and in the power of Almighty God. I think there's a real lesson for us here. Even as that man knelt in the gutter and his engine had broken down, if our faith this morning has been wavering, if our trust is not what it should be, there's God to kneel beside us. There's the Lord Jesus to forgive us, the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and empower us to live. If we're serving Jesus in our neighbour's needs, then we have the greatest and unassailable asset in our trust in the Almighty God. Our faith surely must now be put into action. And I believe there's anybody here this morning who wants to get right with God. There are people who want to pray with you, who want to listen to you, who want to counsel. May God touch our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that out of your glorious riches that you may strengthen us with your power through the Holy Spirit in us who believe so that Christ, dwelling in our hearts through faith and us being rooted and established in your love may have the power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is that love of Christ which passes knowledge and that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God in his power and Lord we pray this in Jesus name Amen